I'm Tom Payton with TP Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Environmental Protection Agency's Waters of the U.S. rule went into effect nationwide on Monday. Everywhere except Idaho and here in Texas. That's thanks to a recent South Texas court decision. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, as everyone knows, cotton is a major crop. And a local museum will soon offer a special way to learn about cotton's history. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Fewer cotton acres are expected to be planted across the cotton belt this year. How will that impact other farm management decisions? I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report on Texas Ag Today. Work continues on a new farm bill set to take effect this fall, including taking inputs from farmers here in Texas. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A judge for the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas has halted the implementation of the Environmental Protection Agency's new Waters of the U.S. rule here in Texas and in Idaho. Reagan Beck, Director of Government Affairs for the Texas Farm Bureau, says this was a great ruling for Texas farmers and ranchers. This is a great ruling today. Um, what happened is the rule, the WOTUS rule, is enjoined from going into effect in Texas and Idaho so this will protect our farmers and ranchers from a vague rule that they would not know if they're violating it or not. So we're very glad to have this protection for our farmers and ranchers in Texas. But one concern is that the ruling only affected two states, Texas and Idaho, instead of halting WOTUS nationwide. There are several other suits going on in other states, and uh, I cannot answer why the judge would just say these two states, but he did. We're very glad he did. But the, the other litigation going on in the other states will probably reach out and affect many more of them in the hopefully near future. Without a nationwide ruling, the new WOTUS rule took effect in the other 48 states on Monday. Protecting the right to farm here in Texas is the subject of bills currently being debated in the Texas legislature. State Representative Dwayne Burns has proposed both a bill and a constitutional amendment to protect Texas farmers and ranchers. 
and it's important for a lot of reasons. Farming and ranching contributes over $115 billion annually to the Texas economy. It's a way of life, and we've got to protect it to protect our food source because we need a safe and abundant food supply here in Texas and to feed the United States. But also, uh, we need to protect our property rights, and I think HDR 126 does that. I think at time, as Texas continues to grow, uh, as we lead the nation economically and we feed the nation, we need to make sure that we protect those folks that are actually doing the work and feeding the good people of our state and the United States. If the resolution passes, the voters of Texas will get to decide if it's added to the Constitution. There's also a companion bill that adds statutory protections for farmers and ranchers. This is National Ag Week, with celebratory events being held across the nation. It's a time when everyone in agriculture can get together and celebrate the abundance provided by American agriculture. Joe Davis of Memphis, Texas, puts it this way. I'm just trying to do my part to get the word out to the world on that if we didn't have agriculture, we'd be running around naked and hungry, and that would not be a good sight for some. National Ag Day was yesterday. I had the privilege of attending a National Ag Day celebration last night at Tarleton State University in Stephenville. Cotton is a major crop on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells us a local museum will soon offer a way to celebrate cotton's history. In our previous report, we talked about the planned expansion of the Agriculture Museum in Lubbock, known as the FiberMax Center for Discovery. Construction work is expected to begin later this year, and hopefully the new addition will be open by late 2024. Last time we told you this expansion will include a special wing with interactive features to help children learn about agriculture. But Lacey Hulting, the museum's executive director, says another highlight will be a new gallery that will serve as the Cotton Heritage Center. We have so many people that visit from other states and they will buy cotton bowls, cotton belts, because cotton is such a unique crop and a lot of people in other parts of the U.S. are not familiar with it. And it's so different than our cereal crops, our grains, that I think it fascinates people. And we really want to tell cotton's story. Within this Cotton Heritage Center, there will be a number of items that are currently on display at the museum, but Holting says there will also be some new things to look at, including one very special asset. There is an 1875 all-wood cotton gin that originally came out of Tyler, Texas. It was moved to Texas Tech University about 1961, back when they had planned a farming part of their museum, and that plan fell through. And you have this amazing piece of history that's nearly 150 years old that's just been sitting there for years. So we are actually working to bring that gin in its entirety and put it in the middle of the Cotton Heritage Center inside the building. So people will be able to walk through it, see it year-round in a climate-controlled environment. Once again, that was Lacey Holting with the FiberMax Center for Discovery in Lubbock. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton farmers are expected to plant fewer acres this year. Tom Nicoletti has more from San Angelo. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, cotton acres across the cotton belt in 2023 are expected to be down 20% of those planted acres, uh, totaling about 10.9 million acres. The National Cotton Council uh, says that uh, it'll be down 17%, with farmers intending to plant 11. Uh, 
four million acres uh, this spring. And to uh, talk more about cotton, I have Will Turner with me. He is cotton field production lead with Bear Crop Science. Caught up with him in San Angelo recently. And uh, Will, certainly with those numbers confronting farmers, uh, this may be uh, still a challenging year, but uh, you talked to a number of farmers in uh, San Angelo recently about uh, their crop plan development for 2023 and uh, a multi-year plan analysis. Uh, How does all that come into play with uh, the possibility of uh, farmers not planting as many acres this year? So definitely that does have a a big factor on our crop plan production as we're trying to put together what exactly we're going to grow from one year to the next. We really have to do some pretty extensive research to try to figure out exactly what those numbers you quoted earlier, what the crop plan predictions are, it all starts with that. So we look at our current inventory of seed that we have and compare that against those numbers as well as what's predicted the next year and try to figure out what's going to be planted in 2023 as well as what's going to be planted in 2024 and what our carry-in value is going to be. And then take it a step forward as we talk about farmers and what how their plans are going to it gets down to what variety are they going to plant. And so all that's a big major factor as we're trying to plan and making sure that we have seed available to enable whatever farmers want and need to get their crop planted. That is Will Turner. He is Bear Cotton Field Production Lead based in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti reporting from San Angelo for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Farm Bill debate continues. Barry Mahler attended the Farm Bill listening session last week in Waco. The House Act Committee held a listening session in Waco recently to receive inputs from farmers on provisions of the new Farm Bill that will take effect this fall. Now, the current Farm Bill was written in 2018. It includes 18 titles with a budgeted cost of $428 billion. The most funding went to nutrition and then followed crop insurance, commodities, trade, and conservation. The bill is set to expire at the end of September, so the Senate and House Ag Committees are working to meet that deadline with a new program. The committees have held talking sessions and hearings all across the U.S. to receive input from interested parties with several here in Texas. After the input, the best bet is that the new legislation will see decreased funding for commodities and conservation and increases in spending for nutrition, trade, and crop insurance. Nutrition, which is the category that includes things like the SNAP program and food stamps, is the most expensive, taking 76% of the total while the other four together make up a little less than 25% of the cost of the bill. The nutrition section is often pointed out by farmers as a category that should not be in the farm bills. It makes farm spending look much larger than it really is. But in reality, with the decrease in numbers of members of Congress and the Senate that come from rural areas, the guess is that without that category, a farm bill would never get passed, so it has to be in there. It's no surprise that nutrition will continue to rise as many of the supplemental nutrition programs bought on by COVID funding begin to expire. The Farm Bill funding will have to take up the slack. It is disappointing that conservation will be funded at a lower level as the loss of good farmland is accelerating through the expansion of urban areas, and it's more important than ever to protect the productivity of the remaining farmland. The one area seen as vital by a large majority of producers is federal crop insurance. That category has just about replaced the ad hoc disaster programs after weather-related crop problems, and it's necessary to ensure the ability to finance the increasing cost of inputs for farmers. The work goes on with a fall deadline before the current legislation expires. The expectation is that the bill will be in place in time with a price tag at least close to the $428 billion cost of the current farm bill. The process is going to be interesting to watch as it will be a collective effort of a Republican-controlled House and a Democratic-controlled Senate. 
Reporting from Waco, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. Sign-up will soon begin for a program that encourages wildlife and habitat conservation while allowing landowners more liberal deer hunting bag limits and an extended season on their property. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And horses are sometimes diagnosed with a heart murmur. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If your horse is diagnosed with a heart murmur, Dr. Bob Judd says it's a good idea to follow up with further testing. A murmur is an abnormal sound generally caused by leaking valves somewhere in the heart. The heart chamber is filled with blood after contraction, and then the valve seals the chamber to prevent blood from flowing backward. When the valve develops a leak, Blood flows backward, leading to turbulent blood flow, which causes a murmur to be heard with a stethoscope. Dr. Catherine Mitchell from Cornell University indicates in the horse publication that the equine heart is an amazing pump that pumps about 10 gallons of blood around the body every minute. At exercise, the equine heart can increase to pumping over 66 gallons per minute. A murmur does decrease the effectiveness of the heart as a pump, But fortunately, the heart has a large reserve capacity, so the murmur may or may not affect your horse's performance. Some breeds are more prone to murmurs, including Arabians, Frisians, Welsh ponies, thoroughbreds, and standard breeds. Horses that do have clinical signs from the murmur can display a lack of energy, change in performance, weight loss, and cough. Young animals can be born with murmurs, and you may notice these foals may not be able to keep up with the rest of the herd in the pasture. If you notice any of these signs, call your veterinarian for an exam. And when your veterinarian gives your horse annual vaccines, make sure they do a complete exam, including listening to the heart. If your horse has a murmur, it is important to determine the actual cause of the murmur to determine the significance. And this usually requires a cardiac ultrasound at a referral center. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sign-up will soon begin for a program that encourages wildlife and habitat conservation. Jessica Domel says it will also expand deer hunting bag limits and extend the season. In just a few days, sign-up will begin for the Managed Lands Deer Program, or MLDP, conservation option. Alan Kane, Whitetail Deer Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more on MLDP. Ultimately, this program is intended to foster and support sound habitat management and wildlife management on private lands and encourage good stewardship with Texas landowners. And 
one of the big parts of this is deer harvest. Part of that program is recognizing that deer harvest is an important aspect of habitat management and wildlife conservation. And so landowners that are enrolled in this program, we tend to focus on that habitat management aspect of it. But the landowners enrolled in MLDP are able to take advantage of extended season links, deer season links, which basically run from a around October 1 to the end of February, and generally some liberalized harvest opportunities, including the method of take, depending on the particular option you're in. So it's really a program about habitat conservation, deer harvest, and providing landowners some flexibilities and tools. Kane says the program fosters an important relationship in Texas between the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and private landowners. He says that relationship is vital since the majority of Texas lands are privately owned. MLD programs allowed us to build that private and public partnership to really further wildlife and and habitat conservation in the state. And that's kind of what MLD is about. The enrollment period for the MLDP conservation option starts April 2nd. We'll have more on that option on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Tuesday. We ended up closing higher. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Tuesday. We ended up closing higher in both live and feeder cattle. April live cattle up 40 cents, 162.42. The June up 62 cents at 156.15. August live cattle up 30 ending the day at 156.05. Same thing on the feeder cattle market. March feeders up 57 at 188.77. April up 7 cents, 194.70, with May feeder cattle up 40, 199.55. Cash-fed cattle market mostly quiet on Tuesday, but we did see some light sales reported out of Iowa. Those were live sales at 166. That's $1 to $2 higher than the previous week. All other regions of the country were quiet on Tuesday. Boxed beef prices lower, choice down 25 cents at 280.77, select down 81, 273.13. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction Mason in San Sabar guest. Ken, you're going to sell in Mason today, but we need to hear about how well the special went on Saturday. 
We had a little over 2,200 heads. I thought when you get into the pairs, bringing from up to 1,700 up to $2,750 with a good many of the pairs in that $2,000 or $2,600 range. Some of the pairs carrying a little less flesh and some of the solid mouth pairs with smaller calves, uh, depending on what they look like, what kind they were, and they're brought in with for 1,200 up to 1,675. The young spring Kevin cows, been the bred cows, are overall with long bred ones that's going to give over the first of June. They sold very good. Uh, the better fleshy ones pretty well range from 1,700 up to $2,550. Start bred cows. The medium bred, which are kind of summer Kevin, and some of the solid mouth cows that may be carrying a little bit less flesh, they went mostly from 1100 up to 1675. They're bred heifers that were long bred, they had larger frame and a good flesh, sold from 1500 up to 2150. The lighter weight and some of the shorter bred heifers they sold from 12 and a half up to 1475. Again, the open heifer market I thought was very good too. They brought mostly from 1100 up to 1700 except some really lightweight heifers we had there, kind of in the fives, whatever, fours, they brought from uh, 860 up to 1075. So very strong sale, Larry, very, very good. Tell everybody how to contact you. You bet, then give us a call, Larry, go 325-372-5159. Also, Larry, we do have the Knox Brothers bull sales uh, this coming Thursday starting 10 o'clock. we got 35 really choice Herford bulls in that sale, all virgin bulls, regional ranch, 55 outstanding Angus bulls. And then go to our website, too, for that information at jordan.com. we got EPDs, pictures, and videos, Larry. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs were lower on Tuesday. April hogs down 72 cents at 77.05. The May down 45 at 84.70. Class 3 milk lower also. March milk down 3 at 18.02 100 weight. April class 3 milk down 6 at 18.96 100. The cotton market closed higher. Traders, of course, watching very closely the Fed's Wednesday interest rate announcement. The cotton market is so affected by those outside markets that any move by the Fed will definitely have an effect on the cotton market. May cotton finishing 63 points higher, 77.80. The July up 75 points, 78.45. New crop December cotton up 73, closing at 79.54 cents. The corn market was lower despite another sale of U.S. corn to China. USDA reporting about 5.5 million bushels of old crop corn sold to China. Of course, they've been in the market all week long buying a total of 88.5 million bushels. But nonetheless, the corn market drifted lower. May corn down 3 cents at 6.30 a bushel, while September corn was down 4 and a quarter, 5.63 and a half. Both hard and soft wheat moved lower in Tuesday's trade. July Kansas City wheat down eight and a half, eight oh six and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down sixteen cents at six ninety two and a half. In the energy markets, April natural gas was up eight cents at two thirty. April West Texas crude up a dollar eighty six, sixty nine fifty a barrel. The financial markets were higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up two hundred sixty two points at thirty two thousand five oh six. The Nasdaq up 168, 11,843. The S&P up 45 at 3,997. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.